Americans drink an estimated 440 million cups of coffee every day, and the way we drink them has changed a lot over the past decade. In 2011, only 7% of Americans had a single-serve brewing system in their homes. By 2020, that number reached 40%. Keurig Dr. Pepper and Nestle are the two companies responsible for this growing trend. Nestle invented the coffee pod concept with Nespresso, and they have the largest market share in the world with Nespresso. Uh, but in the US, effectively, uh, the key system is the K-Cup system that is owned by Keurig. Keurig's US coffee sales surpassed $4.3 billion in 2022. While Nespresso doesn't break out its US numbers from global sales, it's estimated that they reached $1.5 billion domestically for that same year. That's up from just $300 million in 2013. Nespresso really started as a startup within the big Nestle world. You couldn't replicate espresso at a touch of a button. You, you had to have certain, certain skill set. You had to have a very, very expensive machine to do it. And really, for the first 10 years, it really was about starting to, to replicate that experience, to, to gain penetration, to gain consumer knowledge about this. But soon after, uh, single-serve became a, uh, an extremely successful category worldwide. Which company is spending its time thinking in an unfussy way, how can I meet the needs of the U.S. consumer? How do I make it something that's approachable and easy to use? Analysts say that Keurig will likely remain the dominant player in the U.S. coffee pot market. But Nespresso is finally catching up. They're not trying to beat Keurig. They're trying to carve out their part of the market, which is a very valuable part of the market because it is a value-added portion, which consumers will spend more money. They're not really trying to dethrone Keurig. When Nespresso entered the market in 1986, it was the world's first single-serve coffee system. The targeting was wrong, it was a fist coffee, the dark capsule was wrong, way too heavy, too, too complicated to make, something like 20% defect rate, 25%. It was just a disaster. People thought the thing is going to die by itself, let's not worry about it. Gaillard stepped in as Nestle's Nespresso CEO in 1988. Under his leadership, he says the coffee maker lowered the cost of its capsules by reducing the aluminum content and introduced the direct-to-consumer sales system called the Nespresso Club. The thinking was that, okay, the thing is going to go bankrupt. Let's make it a small disaster. On this small area, tiny area of Switzerland, we, we did show that, yeah, the thing was a real business proposition. It was making money and at a very surprising rate. He says the company scaled from there, first to the rest of Switzerland, and then internationally. Its adoption in the US, however, was a slow burn. Three years market, a market that broke even after three years in year three, and started to generate money from year four onwards. The US was more like a seven years market. Just as Nespresso started to generate profits in the US, Keurig delivered its first single cup system for office use in 1998. It wasn't until 2003 that Keurig launched its first home coffee brewer. At this time, Keurig only made drip coffees, and Nespresso only made, yep, you guessed it, espresso. Well, Nespresso's always been a very minority um, pod system in the United States. If you look interesting globally, right, Keurig has almost no presence outside of North America. So the U.S. is a very anomalous market overall because of that. Keurig surpassed $1 billion in U.S. sales by 2010. Between 2010 and 2014, the Massachusetts brand more than tripled its annual sales in the U.S. 
How does it brew such great coffee? Well, inside the brewer are these green fields of coffee. You were talking about the inflection point we tipped over and became uh, just a sensation that everybody was talking about and a gift that everybody wanted to get during the holidays. Uh, and then as we did that, it just snowballed. During those four years, annual coffee consumption increased by two gallons per person. Nestle uh, was faced with the fact that they had a, a popular, I mean, quite high quality coffee for sure, but not necessarily what Ameri the average Americans were looking at. That all changed in 2014 when Nespresso introduced its virtual line of machines. We were, I would say, limited to uh, premium espresso coffees. And now we are, we are launching this new technology, which will be able to deliver a large cup, a very premium coffee large cup. And we know that uh, coffee lovers in US, what they want is a long, a long cup. The launch of the Virtuo system coincided with Americans drinking less drip coffee and more single serve. George Clooney had been the face of Nespresso internationally since 2006, but in 2015, he became the brand's global ambassador and helped introduce Virtuo to American and Canadian consumers. What's that? Nespresso. Is that coffee? Yeah. In 2020, the U.S. became Nespresso's largest market. The market share of Nespresso in the U.S. is about probably, let's say, 8 to 10 percent. It grew from, let's say, 5 to 6 percent maybe uh, 5, 10 years ago. In 2018, Nespresso's parent company, Nestle, purchased perpetual rights to sell and market Starbucks products at retail worldwide. In 2022, Nestle's sale of Starbucks products crossed $4 billion. A decade ago, Nestle was the biggest coffee company at retail in every region of the world except one, and that one was North America. Historically, Nescafe was not that big here, whereas it's huge everywhere else globally. Um, Nespresso had only a very small presence, and it still does in many ways. And what changed was Nestle bought the rights to Starbucks products uh, at retail. So Nestle went from a relatively small player in retail coffee in the United States to the biggest player. Uh, that deal was uh, a sea of change for the Nestle uh, strategy into retail for Nespresso compatible. Keurig Green Mountain merged with Dr. Pepper Snapple Group to become Keurig Dr. Pepper in 2018. KDP announced a long-term partnership with Nestle in 2020 to continue selling Starbucks-branded pods. The two companies did not disclose the financial details of the deal. There is no way to cut this pod market up in a way that's not incredibly complex um, because of the questions of who owns everything. The start of the century marked the rise of American specialty coffee. Sales at coffee houses increased by 97% between 1998 and 2003. Overall, what has also uh, been true for the U.S. market and not uh, just the U.S. market, by the way, is the premiumization. So um, over the years, uh, people have been willing to pay more uh, for their coffee, and uh, clearly we see that as well in the U.S. It's like wine. The more you start to learn about the different origins of the wine, the different terroirs, it's exactly the same as coffee. All throughout, Nespresso has maintained a higher price point than Keurig, which ranges anywhere from $130 with its most basic systems to $850 for its most premium systems. An individual coffee pod can cost as much as $2. Keurig machines, on the other hand, range from $90 to $250, with almost all pods falling under $1. But Nespresso says it isn't comparing itself directly with the competitor. Instead, it's focused on the money saved by making your coffee at home.
the marketing around the pod category often has that very implicitly, right? It's often about creating the coffee shop in your kitchen. Like a lot of the wording, a lot of the designs, it's all built that idea. It's a coffee shop in your kitchen and implicitly, of course, a much cheaper coffee shop in your kitchen. Keurigs can brew espresso style shots to create a concentrated drip coffee, but its machine's technology does not apply enough pressure to make real espresso. If you go to Italy and you want a perfect espresso in Naples, please go do that and invite me along. Consumers want the drink in their hand. They don't necessarily need all the fuss of making a perfect espresso, the technical or the pure way. The two single serve giants are also racing to capture the iced coffee market, the most popular style of drink amongst the youngest generation of coffee drinkers. Gen Z, very strong preference for cold, not seen by any other generation previously. And neither pod machine, as far as I view it, really has a monopoly on cold. Um, and so that is really the territory where I think things are going to be fought in the next couple of years. This year versus previous year, our iced coffees grew around 25%. Now, as they say, iced coffee is hot. For this, for the younger generations, iced coffee is coffee, period. Both companies are upgrading their machines to improve the iced coffee experience. We have a whole range of coffee makers now that brew both hot and they also have an ice button. And the ice button starts brewing the coffee hot, but then takes the temperature down so that in the glass, the ice melt is reduced and the quality of the experience is much closer to the coffee shop experience. In 2021, supply chain disruptions made coffee the most expensive it had been in a decade. At the same time, at-home coffee consumption hit a record high. Most manufacturers could not uh, even produce almost enough single-serve pods. Uh, what we've seen is as well a very strong acceptation of um, uh, machines. So people made the investment to buy a machine and to have a good coffee at home. Keurig machines are installed in over 38 million households nationwide. Nespresso declined to give CNBC its household penetration. There's still over 50 million households left in the U.S. coffee market that we look at and say, how do we meet the needs of those users? I think pre-COVID 2019, we were somewhere around 30 million households. At the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, Nespresso's worldwide coffee sales grew over half a billion dollars in one year, while Keurig's grew just under 300 million. Nestle estimates the worldwide retail of the at-home coffee market to be $100 billion. It values the out-of-home coffee market to be $300 billion. What you find, particularly in, uh, in, in times of inflation, uh, what you find is that consumers here flock to lower value brands or to premium brands because they provide that value. As early as 1991, Nespresso set up a system for collecting and recycling its aluminum capsules in Switzerland. But critics point out that just because pods can be recycled, it doesn't mean they are. Today in the US, we have the capacity to recycle more than 95% of the capsules that we produce. And our consumers recycle, we have a recycling rate of around 36% and growing every year. The creator of K-Cups told The Atlantic in 2015 that he didn't even own a Keurig machine, and he expressed remorse for the environmental impact of the product. K-Cups did not become fully recyclable until 2020. And now, 20 years after they've entered American homes, sustainability is becoming a priority. We're gonna take more and more virgin plastic out of the cups. And other things we do are around reducing the size of our packaging, reducing the shipment of air, putting more products onto a container, onto a truck. The environmental impact of the coffee pot industry has created a market for more sustainable alternatives. 
Ten years after he left the company, Nespresso's former CEO created a line of biodegradable pods that launched in 2008, which he said was a huge success at first, but it didn't last. A decade-long legal battle between Nespresso and ethical coffee company ensued. We had to shut down. Nestle came with modifications to the machine for, for which the sole purpose was to prevent competition from uh, being uh, showing good compatibility with the machine. It was to prevent free compatibility. Key patents for the original Nespresso system expired in 2012, allowing for competition to create compatible pods. Nespresso's Virtuo system is still patent protected and there's no third-party compatibility. The machine reads specific barcodes on each pod and applies the appropriate level of water, heat, and pressure for the type of brew. So unlike other folks, we didn't lock in a system and say, we'll only have our brands, you can have whatever choice of our brands you want. But they tried to. After their initial K-Cup patents expired in 2012, the company launched Keurig 2.0, which only worked with official Keurig pods. It also suspended the ability to use the environmentally friendly My K-Cup, which allowed users to refill the same pod with their own coffee grounds. Sales lagged for the Keurig 2.0, and the company acknowledged it made a mistake in 2015, saying it would change the machines back to being compatible with the My K-Cup and with third-party brands. My K-Cup filter is back. Now you can make anything, even a piece of home. But even with an increasing amount of competition in the U.S. coffee pod market, both Nespresso and Keurig are continuing to see growth. I think you could see Nespresso continue to take share for, yeah, three, five, ten years. Not at a dramatic rate, of course, but at a slow, steady um, gain. With the big question, like we said earlier, is being um, who ultimately controls uh, Gen Z and their cult habits.